And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show, presented by RIA Advisors. And sometimes we talk about fun stuff. Once in a while. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP. Danny Ratliff, CFP Squared. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Ready for the cold front? Is Danny ready? Got your plants covered? I'm about as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> it's it's going to be warm here compared to some other areas of the country. It's like a deep freeze. Yeah. I, just, it's, I, I feel like when it's as cold as it's going to be down here, we're, we're not as prepared for it from an no. infrastructure right. perspective. Right. From, uh, <clears throat> shoot, just people being used to it. Yeah, and I don't want my plants to die. I've been trying to get my covers ready. Don't want to put them out yet, but at least it doesn't seem like it's going to be, there doesn't seem to be anyway, looks like precipitation or a lot of it. So that's good. No, that's great. Actually, I talked to a buddy yesterday and he, um, in oil and gas, and I think he said they have a um, operations in Calgary. And he said they have a flesh warning, meaning that you're not supposed to go outside. Like negative 20. Oh, yeah. yeah some so like astronomical. Shut everything down for now. Like as soon as you walk outside, it's like a movie. You get, you freeze, you freeze up like immediately. Do you ever see those tick those videos where the, the people throw hot water, and then it just turns yeah. into snow or? Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing some of that this weekend. Yeah, I bet you're going to be doing that. Yeah, just no hot water on the windshield, okay, guys? Oh no, 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 no. Mm. Seems like every year those you got to remind video- somebody. Though. Those are great videos too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but again, no precipitation. <clears throat> that's that's good. But it's going to be cold. And speaking of cold, it's earnings season, and the banks are sort of ugly this morning. J.P. Morgan reported, eh, unimpressive numbers. Uh, we had Bank of America uh, lower fourth quarter profits due to regulatory charges. So it doesn't look like uh, banks are off to a good start, Danny. No, and you know, that's a bellwether typically of what we can expect moving forward. But I mean, this time could be a tad bit different in the sense that, you know, a lot of regulatory fines. Mm-hmm. JP Morgan mentioned that, you know, the uh, regional bank, the additional fees that were needed to prop those guys up here earlier in the year certainly hurt. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to be taken from that. I need to spend a little bit more time in the numbers, see exactly what these guys say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, got to take it with a grain of salt. Well, yeah, it just sets the, it sort of gets the animal spirits off. It does. Sets the tone for an interesting earnings season here. And there's also concern over rising losses from commercial loans, especially office building debt. Um, You have banks that have to pay higher interest on certain instruments, right? Of course, and then their bonds are down in value. Um, So, and again, I think Jamie Morgan, Morgan. he was a great actor, wasn't he? Um, Jamie Jamie Dimon is... I mean, I don't. I think he's so he's been sort of wishy-washy on the whole recession talk, but you know, he's he's skeptical of this soft landing, and I think we all should be skeptical. There's just a lot of there's still a lot of cash sloshing out there. I still see the commercial for COVID relief funds on on air. I mean, there's still a lot of money out there that people can get. Wow, 
<clears throat> so the government still has money out there, the infrastructure bills and so forth. Speaking of infrastructure, so we're going to talk about the retirement income death spiral, and we're all supposed to go like this. That's what we're supposed to do. Um, but what, what, what causes a problem for retirement income is sequence of returns risk, right, where you get lower returns over a sequence of years through withdrawal stage. <clears throat> That's a problem. Excuse me. <clears throat> That's also a problem for accumulators because it just makes you frustrated, right? I'm putting money into accounts and nothing's happening. So what I'm going to notice, Danny, I think there's going to be this reemergent talk from Wall Street about hedge funds and alt, alt investments. <clears throat> so BlackRock comes out and buys a company called Global Infrastructure Partners for $12.5 bucks. So that's, that's a company that does long-term bets on energy, infrastructure, digital infrastructure. Again, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be an alt, uh, alternate for portfolios because what's going to happen most likely is people are going to get frustrated with traditional stocks and bonds. But you got to be real careful with alternatives in hedge funds. So we weren't really going to talk about this, but Danny, out, once you venture outside of traditional assets, and I'm talking about most investors. Some investors are what we call accredited, although I, I can poke some holes into the definition of that based on what I see people invest in um, is got to have, you got to have rules around what you're going to do, why you're going to do it, how much of it should be in your portfolio. And then how should you segment it? And part of it is also because of the new Bitcoin ETFs, right? There's nothing wrong with looking at hedge funds, alternatives, but you have to remember is you cannot comprise your entire portfolio, or should you, in these alternatives or these different ways of investing. Uh, what do you think is some of the reasons for that? One, we know are much higher fees. You're yeah. going to be paying for that. Well, I think that's where you need to be cautious with any advisor, anybody you deal with in the sense of understanding, okay, what you're paying them, but then on top of that, do you pay additional fees? So mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, separately manage accounts or references SMAs commonly in the, the financial world. And- you know, there are some benefits to them. The, the biggest thing that most people discuss is tax loss harvesting, the able to the ability for you to personally own those individual stocks, not just own a big mutual fund or even an ETF for that matter. But the, the problem with that is that you're typically paying an advisor and then paying another advisor on top. That's not always the case, but more often than not, it is. And so now you have to understand what are those fees, just like if you were to go buy, you know, have a professional money manager and then they're going and buying a bunch of mutual funds, those costs begin to add up. Now, the alternative products, that fee structure is generally quite a bit more, more lofty. So where you may see a common you know, expense ratio of anywhere between 0.6 and 1% on an A share or institutional, maybe more like half a percent or less. Mm -hmm. um, these we're talking a lot of times, Rich, you see them, what, one and a half, two and a half oh, percent, over two sometimes percent. more. Yeah. Um, and so that's where you need to really get a good understanding is, OK, how are you paying them and, and what does that mean for you? And then what exactly will they do? Now, many of these are so niche oriented, they could be great one year and then really be down in the, in the bottom quartile the following. And so knowing and understanding that, you know, you're investing sometimes in a theme 
understand also what are, what is a caveat to get out? This is one thing I think catches a lot of people by surprise as well, <laughs> is that there may be redemption periods that you're not aware of. And meaning that mm-hmm. if you need liquidity, you need to get out of something, it may not be within the time frame that you think, or they may actually go out and shut it down based on market economic, you know, dynamics, the conditions that they're dealing with. So there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to alternatives yeah. that I think people need to be aware of. Um, it's not as clear cut as what most would think. I, look, I think it's great that more people can access different types of investment strategies and themes, but be careful because a lot of these big institutions develop these as a product, not as a solution. And so be very, very cautious with that. Yeah, we're going to continue this discussion on the other side of the break. You're listening to Financial Fitness Friday. Be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Welcome back. Wow, Bank of America profits are off like 50%. That's pretty significant. Oh, it's a bit concerning. But I think you could expect that amongst uh, a lot of these banks. I mean, look I what interest rates have done. And okay. that is why the Fed, you know, we haven't pivoted quite yet, but the verbiage has certainly changed and changed quickly. I mean, you're still seeing me Fed watch tool still has a, what, 63% odds of a rate hike in March. Yeah. Yet we did see higher CPI. You do look at core CPI, though, and it is coming down uh, slightly. But, you know, I don't think this is that just a straight line drop like most people expect. This no. will take some time. And, you know, we're getting a lot more questions around bonds, too. Like, okay, well, rates, Mm -hmm. you know, they went up significantly. They've dropped dropped quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Now they're kind of inching their way higher. We got a little bit over 4% yesterday in the Mm -hmm. 10-year Treasury. Yep. um, Down slightly this morning. We'll see where it goes. But, you know, we have to remember as well that some of these things were so overdone that you're going to see that natural reflexive move in it. Absolutely. Pendulum swung too far. It'll come back a bit. And so that could be an opportunity because we do know over time this should Mm -hmm. come down. Now, a lot of moving parts that they have to deal with. And this is not going to be just clear cut. I mean, clearly, you know, moving into this, Jerome Powell said, hey, you know, prior to this, you know, inflation is transitory. We're not going to be hiking interest rates. Boom. Go on the fastest rate hiking expedition they have been on. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean on the other end that we're going to just start cutting dramatically. If we do, it won't be good for the economy overall because if they're going to cut dramatically and, and very quickly. Something's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong. So bonds right. may do great. Stocks, alternatives, that may not be the place to be. Absolutely. You know, you got to think about this whole narrative, and Mike's written, Michael Leibowitz has written about it, the Goldilocks syndrome, and that's perfectly fine. Everything's not too hot, not too cold. But somewhere outside of the three bears, there's a cocaine bear. Yeah. that wants to devour Goldilocks. And one of those could be the banks. One of those bears could be the Fed. Because um, obviously we're, we're the markets are just, that's all, that's all they care about is interest rates in the Fed. And I understand Marty Swag said 
don't fight the Fed and interest rates are important, but we are hyper-focused on it. Um, so we'll see where earnings go, but banks set the tone, and I wasn't expecting anything really great from banks. I didn't expect some of these to be as bad as they were because I'm not a, just not a big fan of Bank of America. Uh, I just don't think it's one of those better banks. It's just sort of slogs along. Um, but the point is, this sets the tone. We have to see where it, where it goes. Um, as Lance talks about the first couple of months of an election cycle, uh, the first couple of months of the year, you're, you're going to be sort of wishy-washy. And we're going to have to see where it goes. But this goes back to the discussion about hedge funds and alts. So right now, BlackRock collects about 3% of their fees, total fees, from alts. They're looking to increase it to 10%. What are they seeing that other people aren't? What, are the, what they're seeing is stocks are expensive. You could have greater sequence of returns risk, which is how our financial plans are designed for forward-looking returns. And people are going to want things. And since Wall Street is a marketing machine, the sexier it sounds, the more dangerous it is. You know, it's like, it's like dudes out there at Mastro's at the bar on Saturday night. Sexy, but expensive and dangerous. <laughs> How'd you like that? Yeah. I, I, have no, I have no, haven't been to Mastro's in so long. Just, but what I'm saying is the sexier the investment, Amy, I haven't been to Mastro's. The sexier the investment, the more you should be skeptical of it. The more homework you need to do. Heck, liquid with ESG, not considered sexy, but a great marketing scheme, which Lance was on to early on. And look at the fees there, right? Because I think I'm doing the right thing for the planet. What you were doing was the right thing for Larry Fink's pocketbook. That's what you were doing. So now you go into alts. You've got multiple Bitcoin ETFs, although the fees on those are fairly reasonable. And some of those ETFs are with are going to waive fees for a period of time. And we'll see who, who rises, which, which one of these fund groups rise. But I, what I worry about, again, Danny, is when it comes to alts, when it come, and there are a lot of ETFs that do merger ar arbitrage acquisition. They try to mirror hedge funds. Uh, they're, they're fine. But to Danny's point earlier, they're not going to move most likely with the rest of your portfolio, which is really why you own an alt. It's totally going to be different. And the correlations are going to be totally different or negatively correlated to the rest of the portfolio. So when you're happy with your alt, you're probably not happy with your overall portfolio and vice versa. So it's a way to dilute risk. Yeah. But I don't think most, frankly, most investors are sophisticated enough to look at it beyond the narrative, oh, this sounds cool, or whatever it is, and then they're going to put too much money in it, get frustrated at the very wrong time, and sell. So sequence of return risk or low returns on traditional assets over time are going to cause you to get frustrated and make bad decisions without doing your homework and setting up rules for these alts. You know, it's just like, okay, I understand dogs. I understand dogs and I have dogs and I know how they, they move throughout the house and I got their routine and now I'm going to own a woolly mammoth. And I think I'm going to apply the same kinds of prowess and skills to managing the woolly mammoth. I'm okay with stocks and bonds. I understand how they work. Now I'm going to bring this other thing in and I'm going to give it a big part of my portfolio. That's not the right way to do it. 
So it's okay to own a Bitcoin ETF. It's okay to own um, some part of an alt asset infrastructure fund, whatever it is. But keep in mind, there are studies are done on hedge funds that show they correlate most with intermediate term bond funds for three times the cost. They're not, they're giving you returns on average of about 4% for much higher cost. So they're correlating more with bonds than, it, than stocks when studies are done on hedge funds. And again, I'm not against people looking to be more adventurous with some part of their money, Danny. It's just that the do your homework part and then understanding even if you do it, you're going to be frustrated probably and pay more money because it's doing, if it's doing what, it, what you expect it to do, you're probably going to be very frustrated at times because you need to have a really longer term time frame for these things to, to pan out. Well, what concerns me too is like the accessibility to it, I think is great. But look at, look at like the Bitcoin ETFs. Let's use that as an example. Now, let's say they start popping up in 401ks. Yeah. You know, you're talking about an asset that is, you know, highly speculative, mm-hmm. very volatile, um, that should be used if you're going to use it for a small portion of funds overall looking at your big picture. Whereas I think you get people who get very speculative. They think, okay, look, they look back. How do most people pick their 401k? Uh, positions. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Magic like, 8-Ball? No, no. They, they go back. They look at the performance. Oh, they get past performance. Past performance. They say, oh, okay, that one's That's going to really mean well. that I'm going to project this it one. into the future. Yeah. Correct. Right. And so that's what scares me, especially after you've had, you know, Bitcoin's been on a tear here. some right. recent. Uh, a lot of people will see that and say, oh, man, okay, we're going to get in here. Or, you know, you hear the stories or you talk to people. I talk to people. Close to retirement, hey, I haven't done as good of a job as I think I needed to. Um, I want to maintain this lifestyle. I need to put aside more funds. Mm-hmm. Or I need to become much more aggressive. Most of the time, people, well, you hear this a lot. They say, I'm going to be more aggressive now to make up for lost years that I didn't put funds aside. And what is that? what risk does that come with? You talk about sequence of return risk. Now it's humongous. This is going to sound really bossy like like AOC. Uh-oh. All right. Okay, this is going to sound really bossy. Well, that was wait, that was Jenny Ellen. I got to I don't got to get my AOC impression down. How do you do AOC? I don't know. I don't know. Whenever but here's I, a point I'm mind. trying to make. If I if I'm an organization and I'm setting a, or establishing a 401k and I even allow an option to be self-directed, I am excluding all these Bitcoin ETFs. All 10 of them. I don't want my employees going near them because it's going to come back to me. So I'm not even going to offer them, Danny. I'm sorry. I'm very People sorry. I don't understand this whole garbage disposal thing, and I don't understand this. Hey, I don't understand Bitcoin. Is it going to bite me in the middle of the night like my boyfriend? What is it going to do? So I am saying I don't want this in my portfolio. I think if you want to do this outside your 401k with after-tax money or you have an IRA, go, you know, go ahead. I wonder, Danny, I wonder if you buy these ETFs, like you're a retail investor and you go online, you go to Fidelity. I wonder if they have like a disclosure even mm. before you click the submit button. I wonder if they're doing a CYA. I doubt it. Uh, okay. Just wondering. I would. Well, like, it you understand would make that sense. this is speculative. You got to understand what you're doing. You could lose all your money. I would be 
CYA up the CYA or CYA squared. So that's what I would be doing with these. And again, I have nothing against crypto. But I would have rules around what I would do. Then I've got 10 of these things now that are out. So you got to look at how institutional investors are going to look the ones who obviously have the largest trades, the most volume. Fees are attract. They're not bad because there's going to be a fee war among these 10. So as sequence of return risk, and that's going to lead into the retirement income death spiral, as you have perhaps sequence of return risk. And again, this is how we've built our plans for years of frustrating returns. People are going to be seeking alts because they're sexy, they do something different, have rules to do so. Nothing wrong with it. I wish you the best with that type of investment. Especially people listen to the show and on YouTube. But I think sophisticated investors who spend a lot of time understand that there's risk of losing money. So I'm going to cordon this off and can corral this woolly mammoth so I can tame it. There will be no disclosures on this, I can assure you. And I'll tell okay. you why when we get back. Okay. We'll be right back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com looking for clarity for your investments in the new year you must attend our 2024 economic summit navigating markets in a presidential cycle featuring greg valier trump will be a big presence the bigger story in my opinion is how weak joe biden is going to be is the Fed finished tightening? Liquidity, I think, is underestimated. Will rates ease this summer? States are still flush with cash. They haven't spent all their money from the pandemic relief bill. How will the election affect your investments? I don't see any political figure right now who can bring the country conclusively back together again. Register now for our 2024 Economic Summit, Navigating Markets in a Presidential Cycle, featuring Greg Valier with special guest Adam Taggart, plus Michael Lebowitz and Lance Roberts, Saturday, January 20th. 27th at the Hotel Celeste Houston. Navigating markets in a presidential cycle. Featuring Greg Valier. Saturday, January 27th at the Hotel Celeste Houston. Registration open now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And we are back. So I know we've uh, we've really uh, kicked this this topic around. I just want people to be aware of stories and seductive stories that wind up gaining your money, and then you lose money, or you become disenchanted to where you don't invest anymore in anything else because you got sold this sexy investment or this alt fund or whatever it is. I have nothing, again, against them, but I will corral them 
and and Danny, I just talked, and Danny just brought it up, right? You look at Bitcoin. There's nothing behind Bitcoin. It's ethereal. You know, it's like I understand money could be too. I understand it's based on the um, faith that you have in in the sovereign country. However, there's a country behind it to some degree. Although I don't know where I live lately, but uh, what I'm saying is with Bitcoin, to your point, Danny, it's it's just there's nothing. There's just nothing behind it. And then it's fine. How are you going to produce? That's the one thing I always wonder about. The energy and the production of Bitcoin. How, how, how is this going to happen in an ETF? Like when there's been a finite number, like how, what, what's the process behind this process? What do you mean? As, as far as, you know, if you need to go buy more shares? Well, I mean like Bitcoin itself. Like how Bitcoin is mined, right? Correct. You need computer, you need all this power. AOC is going, my gosh, it's so... So expensive to make, and so much of the planet's going to die because of it. I don't know how they make. I don't know how they make money. I don't know why. I haven't seen. I haven't seen a Bitcoin. Is it round? (laughs) What? What? What exactly? How do you produce enough to? To, to, to do That's this. a legitimate question. I mean, I think you know you mentioned earlier that you know this is going to be considered a, an actual asset class now. I mean, four point six billion dollars went into this just yesterday, right? Crazy. Now, obviously, a lot of people waiting on the sidelines right, trying right. to get an understanding. If you were already in some of these, like GBTC, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, you know, you saw a you know basically you were buying it at a discount. Yeah. And once mm-hmm. it actually comes to market, right, you saw a nice bump. I think it was up like 10% yesterday. So then it goes to the NAV of what actually mm-hmm. Bitcoin was. Yeah. Now, so I can see the advantage on something like that. But my problem is, is number one, like you mentioned, this, the supply aspect. Yeah. But what about the supply and demand from the other side of this, right? Mm-hmm. Where is that intrinsic value? If we go buy a company, we're buying its sales, we're buying, you know, we're looking at its price to book. You're looking at the buildings. Mm-hmm. You're looking at so many different aspects of this, looking at all the assets. Right. I can't do that here. No. And I'm not saying that this is not a viable option for somebody to to put funds to. But what I would like to caution is don't put everything to something like this. Right. Because that's where you get in trouble. As much as it went up so far in the last, what, six months, mm-hmm. go look at the return prior to that. Yeah. And imagine you need these funds for retirement. I know there's a ton of you out there saying you guys are idiots. This is the best <laughs> thing since sliced bread. Oh, I, I see them on it. TV every day. I understand. That's fine. They've come out of the woodwork. But with anything like this, when you're talking about your livelihood, your financial security for you and your family, mm-hmm. you cannot put all of your eggs in one basket. No. I don't care what it is, but to your point, it's exactly true. You are basing this on there's this 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 not this notion that Bitcoin is going to replace all currencies. And then Dorothy is going to wake up. <laughs> that might happen when you're dead and gone. It's not going to help you for the time frame that you have to invest. The time frame for you have to invest is a speculation. And it can fall out of favor just as easy as not. But there will be, to Danny's point, demand because it will be inserted into portfolios. It will be pushed by advisors as, as, oh, you know, that, oh, BlackRock is the best thing in the world. I got to get in. 
or whatever the heck it is, stories are going to be rampant. So you know what I would do if I were an investor, Danny, and this is not a recommendation. I'm not touching this thing until the fever dies down. I am not going near it. Mm. I'll let it burn. I'll watch it. I'll monitor it. But there is no way in heck. If, and if I were going to do it, I would do a very, very small percentage in value averaging over time, which is sort of an oxymoron because there really is no value to Bitcoin. But that's what I sort of would do. Yeah, and I think you need to be cautious when you look at these as well. I mean, are they using leverage inside mm-hmm. of here? You got to read. You I mean, got to do your homework. There could be yes. some other bigger issues with that. But you know, mm-hmm. going back to before the break, you said, "Hey, would you would these companies mm-hmm. require a disclosure?" Yeah, I think it's doubtful. I mean, look at the big names; those those top tickers here, I mean, like Black Arc Twenty One shares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fidelity, Wisdom Tree, Invesco, Van Eck, Franklin Templeton, Grayscale, Bitwise, BlackRock, yeah, Valkyrie. You're on your own. These are all big, big <laughs> firms, right? And, and, you know, you mentioned BlackRock, how they were such proponents of the ESG game, and all of a sudden they start to step away. You ever seen that Homer Simpson Larry, meme yeah. where he's like, goes into the bushes? Yeah, and he comes slowly. Out. I posted one of those where I said, this year is going to be different for me, and Homer Simpson goes into the bushes, yeah. and then he comes out a female. He's got a wig on. <laughs> okay, I don't know where, how you got there, but that's what BlackRock is doing. They're going into the bushes, right? They've kind of stepped back on the ESG. And that what are they going to come out as? That's well, but difference. what happens? They came out as a, as a Bitcoin ETF. That's what they came out mm-hmm. as. So now what happens, though, if you do get a significant drop in this, if it goes down 50%, they start saying, whoa, risk rewards maybe not here. You're saying Larry Fink is not really um, upset by all the energy it takes to produce Bitcoin? He just oh. doesn't care, huh? Yeah. You. yeah, how do you square that with the ESG crowd? <laughs> you don't. Oh, he's been dumping that stuff. You know? Like, when they say ESG to him, he goes, oh, me no speak English. <laughs> but the so. energy that it oh, I know. is required that. to generate this stuff. Oh, don't, don't ask me. I have no idea. If whole city's lights dim when they start mining that stuff. Yeah, I know we, we again... We've been on this topic a lot longer, but with the 10 Bitcoin ETFs out, BlackRock purchasing this huge fund because they see the writing on the wall. The one thing BlackRock does do a good job is making money, and they do know where the trend's going to go. And they know that sequence of return risk is coming. I'm completely convinced of that, and that people are going to be looking for more alts because what's going to happen is this euphoria from the Bitcoin is going to spill over. If I'm going to go here and own a woolly mammoth, then I should own a T-Rex too. Although I don't know if they were alive at the same time. I don't think so. But, okay, i got to go back to my books. What do you think T-Rexes ate? <laughs> Good point. I'm kidding, I don't know either. But they, you know, They I can't clap or anything. because We're picking on BlackRock. We use a lot of Black BlackRock funds. We use iShares for ETFs. Absolutely. We invest in ETFs. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of good, but... What I think Rich is really trying to get to is that when all of a sudden these new things come out with these shiny bows on them, mm-hmm. be cautious. Yes. And be also recognize that this may just be a theme. This may not be something that you can set it and forget it. It may have a very short shelf life. And so, you know. Or I'm going to set it and never look at it. Because in other words, I know this is con- this is going to be a supply and demand thing. If I put 2% in. I just might say, I'm going to let it ride. But yeah. I understand what you mean. As it grows, hey, it, it does wind up becoming a bigger part of your portfolio. You're going to have to corral it. 
Well, uh, it's like any you know, asset class. Right. I mean, you look at this, especially if you're you're kind of placing large bets on these things. Mm-hmm. You need to say, okay, well, at what point do I step out? Has the market changed? Have right. we seen a sector rotation? Um, you know, right. those things happen. They absolutely do. So we deal with a lot of people who need retirement income planning, tax-efficient withdrawals, Roth conversion. If you think your taxes are going to drop to the lowest level in retirement, you are mistaken. I mean, that does happen for some people. Like the story you all did, which was a great article in the Wall Street Journal about some people who live exclusively on Social Security. You know, right? a lot of people look at that real negatively. And, and um, I think that actually gives people hope in a lot of ways. Like, look, you can do it. It's not maybe you what you envision. No, you can. And these people are happy, too, because they're still I, social. They still have... I, Engage, right? But if you read the stories, I mean, there's some depressing ones in there, but for the most part, people are making do. They have small amount of assets outside. They have Social Security. Some of them have worked a part-time job. I work with clients right now who over 65 to 70% of their income is Social Security. But they work part-time. They have very reasonable expectations. Listen, it's all about your expectations and what you want. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's a it's an ideal situation. You were talking about the guy that was living in his sister's basement, right? Uh, but there are people that are making do with it, uh, and Social Security has become their pension. But if I do retirement income withdrawals from my variable assets like stocks and bonds, Monte Carlo, which is the simulation that we use for accumulation, doesn't work really well because it's based on conditions. Sequence of return risk, longevity risk. So James Sandage, who's a really big fan of his work, actually in our, we're coming up with a retirement boot camp. We're going to see a lot of his work in this because we follow a lot of this already. Um, So we're going to talk about this retirement income debt spiral. Don't let it happen to you. We get back. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So, this is along the lines of retirement income. Pete asks, My wife is 70 in the market 100%. I cannot convince her to get out of the market. What kind of advice would you give her? Well, I don't have enough information, but I will tell you, I do have clients who are older and they do have 100% in the market. One, because they understand individual stocks, they're fine with it. But most important, the money's a legacy asset, which means it's not for their lifetime. It's for children. So you have to expand that life expectancy and you'll get better returns 
because, right, you're investing aggressive for children. Also, people who have created a, a guaranteed income stream, they have pension or they have an annuity structure or they've taken Social Security properly, they don't care about the gyrations of the market. Their withdrawal rates are so low, if any. They can afford to be it because think about all the other stuff you're doing can be considered one big bond, right? And I collect my income. It pays for my fixed expenses. I know I'm never not going to get a check. So I'm going to let it ride here because I rarely need to take withdrawal. So there's a lot that goes into age and stocks. When you start looking at hey, I need these variable assets to create a retirement income for me, then the equation totally changes. Then the allocation, absolutely, with valuations where they are too aggressive. Because what James shows in this work, first of all, negative returns. There's a critical point where negative momentum, you have market losses, withdrawals, and fees, overwhelm the positive momentum generated by positive returns. And then you go into this spiral very quickly of principal deterioration. That's why when people say you can just take 4% out of your account every year and not look at it, that is wrong. R wrong. You've got to look at your withdrawal periods. We look at it over a rolling three years. And make changes, perhaps, to how you spend money. People don't want to hear this because they're treating their variable assets like a guaranteed fixed income stream. And it's not that. Sure, when markets are going up and you've got a tailwind, then you take 4 5 6% and the money keeps growing. That's great. But where you retire in, in a cycle is, is pure luck. And I've been saying since 2019, retirees are in a headwind for returns. And I always look like a jerk for the first few years. And then it kicks in. So what this is talking about is to avoid the debt spiral because by the time you find out about the debt spiral, it's too late. You've got to examine your withdrawal rates every year. You also then might have to make an adjustment to say, I am not going to increase my distribution for the following year. I might decrease my distribution for the following year. In other words, your goal is to make sure that those, that money lasts as long as you do. And depending on the cycle you're in, you're going to have a positive life cycle or a negative death cycle depending upon the cycle. Well, Mark, Rich, stocks ever always go up. Yeah, I can show you every 100-year period where stocks go up. That's what Dracula does. Dracula doesn't have to worry because Dracula's got a very long life expectancy. You don't. Therefore, that's why James's work is so important. You can't mindlessly take withdrawals. I think that's the biggest message. And for advisors, you can get into the, a client can get into that negative debt spiral a lot quicker than you realize Poor returns up front in the beginning of retirement, which is why our plans are set up to show turbulence in the beginning. He has one example, Danny, where one client started out and lost only 2.7% the first year of retirement. 
but still kept their withdrawal rate the same. And that portfolio deteriorated markedly more than did the following year, portfolio the following year that didn't suffer that loss. Because what he's showing is there were no adjustments made to change the withdrawal rate depending upon the cycle where you were. You got to manage that. It's called variable assets for a reason, right? Yep. So you have to look at accumulation and distribution as totally different structures. If in an accumulation cycle, you may not have more, you know, you might, and you're in a poor sequence of returns, you'll get frustrated, you'll have lower returns, but you're not taking capital out. So you cannot just go blindly into the withdrawal process and think that, oh, yeah, well, this year I'm taking $35,000, $40,000 on my portfolio. That's what I'm going to be able to do for the next 30 years, inflation adjusted, la, 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 because that's how most plans work. That is not reality. That is not reality. So you want to avoid that debt spiral, and one way you do it is, What's your withdrawal rate for the cycle you're going to be going in based on valuations on the market right now based on the, uh, the Schiller PE 31 times, right? Well, I think there's ways that you can avoid this. Well, I had this conversation mm-hmm. with somebody, somebody the other day, and he said, listen, how do most people take distributions in retirement? Not at retirement quite yet. This gentleman is getting very, very close, has the means, the funds to do so, but very cognizant and aware of what you know, that means when you have that poor sequence of return risk. Yes. So he says, you know, do I have enough money in cash? So not only for quote unquote emergency, Mm -hmm. any big ticket items I may need, you know, quickly, but that I can live on for two years. Keep it in cash because you're going to be drawing from cash, cash alternative, something that's going to pay you a little bit Uh of interest. But But I won't have principal. I don't have to worry about selling something at a loss. That's right. But then, so, you know, we have some clients that they want to check monthly mm-hmm. in retirement. And that is probably the most common method. Yes. You know, cause you feel like you have a paycheck funds are coming in. It's automatic. You know exactly when you receive these funds, mm-hmm. you go pay your bills, you can budget works out. Well, some people do it quarterly. Some may do it, you know, bi-weekly. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do this, but he said, well, what if I only take from the portfolio and not everybody has this luxury, uh-huh. but what if I only take from the portfolio in a really good year and then I'll go yeah. refill that bucket. Yeah. Like, because, in other words, giving myself, an, I get a, like a nice bump. I'm going to take the bump, right? Because, correct. And, and like giving yourself a bonus. Correct. Yeah. And so right. he's going ahead. He's not necessarily spending those funds right then, but he's going to say, listen, I'm going to go replenish this bucket here. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be able to draw down from that. If the market goes down next year, and he's not taking a ton, he's just taking enough to live on. Correct. And, and then the following year, you know, hey, it's a, it's a rough year. Maybe you don't make that distribution. You start to dwindle mm. down the other bucket. You give your portfolio time to recoup. Yes. That can work well. Now, it could. Very you well. see this work, though, where sometimes it takes a much longer period of time to mm. get back to even. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that I think that is difficult for many to understand when we think about market returns. Yes. You know, like, like you talk to somebody who's really aggressive. You're like, well, I can go make 50% in the market. <laughs> like, okay. Well, what happens when you lose 50%? Oh, I won't do that. I'm really well, good. if I lose 50, I'll just make back 50 the next year and I'm back to even. Like, no, 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 no. You lose 50 of 100. Let's just say 100,000, easy math. Now you have to make 100% just to get back to even. 
You know what kills most we're working investors? with much less capital. You know what kills most investors? The ones that study the most? Overconfidence. Overconfidence? Like you said, oh, yeah. we'll just get 50%. Or that stock's going to come back. So it's, I see you two know, things. It's either overconfidence or mm-hmm. paralysis by analysis. Yep. You know, it's just so much, like, I don't know what to do. But you know so much information. So, so it's, it, it's tough. It is. So what James created. But what you're saying, though, is he's actively managing the, the distribution strategy. Yeah. Yes. Which means those tweaks he's making are going to allow his portfolio longevity. As opposed to mindlessly taking four, six, or as Dave Ramsey says, 8% Oof. <laughs> out of his portfolio. Imagine if you had taken 8% out of your portfolio in a, like in 2022 with what you probably lost. So imagine what you need to get back to get back to where you were. And, and this is another mistake well, I think a lot of people to, make. Yeah. We use the portfolio value at its highest. We do. We it's, mark it's to the high watermark. point. Yes. Always. Always. Not to what you started with, but to the high point. Yeah. It's some magical number that makes people feel better. It's like a brain snuggie. But it doesn't matter. And if you're on a spend down plan, you are going to have less money as you move forward and get older. Why is it? I had a million and a half and now it's a million one. And I've been retired 15 years. Yeah. yeah you've taken, taken out $800,000. You know, I mean, <laughs> but that, that surprises people as well. I think when they start to think back, say, wow, I did. Okay. When you start going back and you tell people this has been your cumulative distribution. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. You got to lump sum those numbers and hit people over the head with them. Hey, I'm going to hit you over the head with 800,000. Poof, poof, poof. Well, I think why it's important too for people to have some funds on the side, even during retirement, just, yes. just enough. Because what happens when all of a sudden, you know, we plan as advisors for distributions, meaning that we typically are going to have some funds on the side. We're going to have some that are restricted so that you currently have. We're going to know how we're going to meet that income needs. But if you start coming and knocking on the door, making a phone call every you know, two or three weeks saying, hey, I need an extra 15000 10000 then what do you do? You, exactly. you may be stuck where you have to sell at a bad time. Absolutely, because you need the liquidity and you have to sell. So that's very true. Home equity line of credit, reverse mortgage, borrowing from life insurance. This is what we had people do during the financial crisis to leave the money alone. And when it came back, we paid those loans back. That's all we got. Hey, listen, sign up for Greg Valliere, Navigating the Market in a Presidential Cycle. We'd love to have you there, realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay warm, if possible.